Welcome, everyone, to the On-Ramp to Success podcast. We have a guest today who is a business coach. Uh, you'll hear a lot more about his background as, as we talk today. I've known him for, uh, looks like a little bit over a dozen years. We were just talking about trying to figure out how long that was. Um, he has a long career before he got into coaching, um, working for some pretty big companies, doing some great stuff. So. We're going to go ahead and dive right in, and I want to introduce to you Mr. Warren Williams. And Warren, I guess the first thing that uh, people would probably want to know about is tell us a little bit about your business and how you got into your business, and then we can kind of backtrack a little to what you did before that. Sure. Okay. So um, Warren Williams, Turning Point Business Coaching. So uh, started in 2008 after a corporate layoff. Uh, one too many times, and it was time to, to, to jump into a new lane. And uh, I've always had a passion for planning and for helping uh, individuals as they seek to achieve what it is they're wanting to, to, to uh, accomplish. And so I sort of combined uh, my, my corporate, my corporate uh, experience, uh, which involved a lot of different uh, uh, planning strategy, Profit and loss, budgeting, all those kinds of things, uh, and and found that that in in most cases, in many cases, in the small business, uh, you know, entrepreneur world, those skill sets just aren't aren't as strong. They're just not 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 there. And so that looked like a perfect opportunity for me to utilize what I'm naturally good at, and help people in places where they need it the most. Uh, and the result is that they would they would see their business grow and really achieve something uh, beyond just another job, beyond just being self-employed, that they become owners of a business that is producing a, a, a positive return for themselves and their family. So uh, that's kind of that's kind of how I got uh, started in it and um, have gone from there for the last 13 years. And you were... Um... So I'm not a marketing guy, so I might not word this properly. So let me ask it as a question. What were your main functions in your corporate life before you got into coaching? Was it product management or marketing? It, it was a combination of, uh, of sales and sales uh, sales engineering. I was a tech, little bit of a techie guy back back in the day. Tech meant something different <laughs> in the dark <laughs> ages. Um, uh, moved into product development, product management, doing headquarters staff stuff for for uh, uh, corporations um, uh, took on leadership roles uh, in those functions really really uh, developing my skill set around uh, how to create how to create good products and manage them through their life cycle uh, manage teams was a director of, of product development product management for two different companies before before finally uh, leaving corporate life so uh, hiring and firing and, and, and managing a team and uh, working towards corporate, uh, you know, corporate success metrics, uh, building products that takes takes the company where the boardroom wanted us to go. Uh, that's that's where I cut my teeth and, and w where I found uh, the bulk of my uh, of my experience. Great. I think that provides some good context for the, the audience so they kind of get a feel for where you came from to get where you are now. I know we've talked about this before, and when you actually did your coach training and certification, I know 
you mentioned to me there's a lot of different organizations out there where you can get certified as a coach. But if I recall correctly, one of the big reasons you chose the one that you chose was the, the body of knowledge, not just the, the letters after your name that say I'm some kind of certified coach. So what was the organization that you have your coaching uh, certification through? And can you tell us a little bit about your experience in becoming a coach with them, what that entailed? Sure, absolutely. So so when I got started in coaching, um, I, I didn't know what I didn't know. I just know I wanted to help businesses. And so I started looking around for uh, how, how do I how, how do I do this? How do I build something like this having never done it before? I'm not an entrepreneur by, by nature. I'm a corporate guy. That's what I did. Um, I was not you know, raised in a, in a small business home, so I didn't see risks and all that sort of thing. Uh, in fact, when I decided to do this, my father thought I was nuts. So because uh, he's a safety guy. So what, what I found was uh, an, an, an organization called the Institute for Independent Business International. Um, they were based out of, uh, out of the UK, uh, very big in, in Europe. Uh, they were a planning, excuse me, they were a training organization around business advising. So I went, I, I went to England and I spent, I spent a week there in pretty intensive training and and role plays and, and all kinds of, uh, of support structures around, here's how to build a, a consulting business around advising small businesses on the things that, that you, you're naturally good at and they may not be. Uh, that introduced me to a worldwide network of business advisors that I could tap into, uh, which was very helpful in the early, early days. Uh, because again, I, I'm, 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 I'm uh, building the boat as I'm on the water. Right. So, <laughs> so I hung my shingle out and it's like, now what do I do? So, uh, so that organization uh, helped me with regards to uh, kind of getting my, my feet wet around uh, identifying what my target should have been or, or should be, how to speak to them in ways that would resonate, and then how to structure an offer uh, that made sense, that was logical, that a business owner could say, I want some of that. That what you're selling is what I think I need. So that was a strong organization. Now, there were there's a whole lot more coaching certification programs out there now than than there were then. That was in 07, 08. Um, and so uh, that but 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 that's that's the one that I that I found myself plugged into. Now, a couple of years later, I got uh, I got involved uh, uh, with the. Uh, let's see, I'm, an, I'm a registered corporate coach with the Worldwide Association of Business Coaches. And, and, I, and I did that certification so that I, I, I found myself talking to businesses about challenges that they had, but a lot of it had to do with getting inside their head. Mm. So it wasn't external, right. you know, man in the mirror, right? Sometimes the, the, the problem is, is, is you, Mr. Owner, and I needed to know how to draw that out. And so being an executive coach using that training allowed me to get better at uh, combining the external business stuff with, hey, is your head on right? Let's right. unpack that a little bit. Let's talk about blocks. Let's talk about why you uh, see, see that as a negative thing or, or why you won't go down that road or uh, and, and it sort of helped expose, uh, you know, opportunities with my clients to coach them further. So those are the two that I found myself uh, working with and had selected. I think that's good context for our audience because we've had 
uh, other people on the show who were coaches that had more of like a niche uh, type approach to things. And there are lots, lots of different flavors of coaches out there. So that's yeah. one of the reasons I wanted you to speak to that. So Warren's more of a business coach. He's not necessarily a relationship coach or, a, um, you know, someone that's going to just have you do yoga and, and incantations. Um, you, you do have a good handle on the mindset part of it, which we'll talk about. Um, but I think that's an important distinction is that you're much more business focused, working on business problems. Yes. With the mindset part of it being sort of an adjunct because um, you can't really address the business stuff if their mindset's not right. Right, right. Yeah. There's only so far you can go, right? So yep. if if uh, if if the business owner can't stand numbers, I, I can't I can't I can't not poke that beast. I, I have to I have to I have to I have to pop that balloon, right? Well let's come on, let's let's get this on the table. Uh, because quite frankly being a coach means that I'm not going to be liked all the time. And I tell them if if you like me the whole time we're working together, then I'm not a very good coach. So get ready. <laughs> it's truth. So yeah. So speaking of mindset, um, one we we talk a lot about mindset. So we use that RAMP acronym, the R A M P, as just sort of a framework because we're mm -hmm. all we're, we're generally focused on on all things personal development. But we found that those four items in that RAMP uh, acronym kind of help us stay focused. Whatever I myself. Anyway, get, get off track. So one of the things we talk a lot about is a growth mindset. Um, in your experience in coaching people, tell us a little bit about what you found with the mindset of people that you start working with and how that changes through your coaching. Sure. So sometimes, and of course, this, this, this involves uh, helping me determine what type of person I really want to work with. Um, uh, in the early days, you know, I tell people I would, I would coach this glass if it could find a way to pay me, right? <laughs> and, and that's understandable. And so as, as the business develops and more refined, I'm much more picky about that. So uh, when I'm sitting down with a business owner and, and I can pretty quickly get, a, get an idea around where their head is, um, if, they're, if they're convinced that, they, that everything's outside, Everything's external. My people won't. My people won't. My customers won't. I can't get, uh, you know, that sort of that. That it's 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 somebody else's problem kind of thing. I just need to help figure out how to get them to do what they need to do. That's an opportunity for me to poke at that and see what happens. So the best clients are those that have a mindset that says, "Hey, I I I understand what you're saying to me. I may not like it all the time." But if this is the price I have to pay to really achieve my goals and it involves me getting better, then bring it on. Well, then that's that's a win win for both of us, because that means that we can really accomplish something without a growth mindset. Then then there's only so much I, I don't have pixie dust. I, there's no magic. There's no sauce. Right. There's no there's no there's no uh, uh, magic source of government funds that will that will erase all my problem i mean it, it just it's hard work being a business owner and it takes mm -hmm. introspection as well it takes learning new ways of thinking it takes new habits to be developed and so without growth mindset it's i would rather walk away because there's only okay. so much i know i'll be able to accomplish and and then and then i'll be the problem i'll be like well i worked with a coach and he didn't help me 
So ah, that's a, okay. That's a great distinction because I think there are some coaches out there that that's almost all they focus on is let me take someone who doesn't have the right mindset and all I want to do is work on their mindset. But if you need a business coach, then you need to go to someone else because they don't really have that business acumen and any kind of framework or processes to be able to address that part. Yeah, yeah. It's one of the cool things about doing this podcast is we get to meet people with different approaches, different specialties, different outlooks. Um, I, I think I tend to be more along the lines of your approach to it in terms of um, I feel like I get energized and I and I enjoy working with people that have a growth mindset that say, hey, I want help, I need help, but I, I'm ready to acknowledge whatever I need to do to change. That to me is invigorating versus someone that, you know, is just always pushing back and it's always someone else. Yeah, Jim, I think it's Jim Rohn that said, for your circumstances to get better, you have to get better. Yeah. Right, so the business can only be as big as the owner is. And if, if I'm working with a client that, that, that never can get that or pushes back or they, they just refuse to accept that, they, 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 they're, you know, hey, you're not here to work on me. You're here to help me work on my business. We're not a good fit. We're, right. we're just not a good fit. You, you, you need something else. Uh, I can talk to you about executive coaching, <laughs> uh, but obviously you don't want that. So, right. Yeah. So one of the things that we talk about in that, that ramp framework is routines mm -hmm. or habits. Uh, do you have any particular routines or habits like a morning routine that you stick to every day or any other time of day? It doesn't have to be in the morning, but it just kind of seems like a lot of people have first thing in the morning, some things that they do regularly. Do you have anything like that that you stick to? Well, let me say, let me say this. Um, uh, I know people and, and you do too, that are, that are real sticklers about, about constant routine, right? One of, one of my favorite movies is Around the World in 80 Days where Pierce Brosnan did the role. I don't know if you've seen that movie, but you talk about somebody who is anal to the nth degree about doing everything exactly the same second of every single day. Everybody in town knows precisely where he's going to be. Um, that That is not what I'm striving for, uh, nor have I arrived. Uh, you see my bookshelf back here. I got lots of books about ways to develop habits and patterns, and I'm not there yet. Um, but I, there are certain things that I have to do. I have to take stock. I have to take a few minutes in the morning and to say, okay, I need, I need to put my to-do list together. I need to see what didn't get happened yesterday and make sure that I get it today. What are my A priorities? What are my B priorities? How do I make sure that I'm not trying to do everything and treat everything with equal priority? Or I will go mad. I just, mm -hmm. I will pull out my hair. So those kinds of things are really important to me, right? Um, trying to get enough sleep, that's important. Um, um, uh, you know, getting getting the right amount of caffeine is always important uh, to do that. Um, uh, I try to read regularly. I think I think it's important to take in what you want to put out. So if I'm going to 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 talk to people about improving themselves, I dog gonna be better be doing it to me. Mm -hmm. uh, I have to exhibit what I what I say they should do. Uh, I don't want to be a hypocrite in that way. So. So I'm, I'm, I'm not arrived. I don't have a, I've heard interviews of people that say, well, I'm up at five o'clock and then I do 45 minutes of this and I do 30 minutes of that. And then I meditate for, no, that's not, that's not me yet. Uh, okay. But I am, I, I'm continuously working to find the patterns 
that will move me down the lane that I want to begin and, and, and implement those where it's where it's appropriate. What are some of the um, we could see your bookcase, you reference it there and you're obviously I know personally because I've known you for a lot of years and we've talked about different books that either you or I or both of us have read. Do you have any like just one or two that stand out to you that everyone should read or that were real foundational for you? Um, one of the very first books that that I uh, uh, put into my business library, I'll call it, was The E-Myth by Michael Gerber. I think that should be required reading for anybody that wants to start a business uh, because it, it, it encapsulates so much about mindset, about patterns, about prioritization, about all of that and understanding as an entrepreneur how you're going to be pulled in so many different ways. And Gerber does a great job of encapsulating into those three personalities that you're fighting with all the time. That's a tremendous example, even to the degree that, you know, the uh, stories of people who get burnt out on their business and what they used to love to do, they can't stand it anymore. Well, th that's why it, 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 the, the lack of business savvy, the lack of, of development in the right areas has contributed to burnout and, and I don't want to do that. So uh, E-Myth is definitely one of those that I have I have given out, recommended over and over and over again. I think, didn't he put out a, a follow-up to that? Was it the E-Myth Revisited or 2.0? Yeah, that, it was the it was the revisited version that revisited. I okay. that I that I have. I think I've had both of them before, but there you go. Perfect book, great book. What about other than books? Um, as as you well know, and our audience has probably come to to realize over time, if they watch a lot of these, I have a very short attention span, and I, I have a a hard time reading books from start to finish. But I listen to a lot on audio. Do you have any favorite um, podcasts or other things that you listen to to help feed your mind, other than just you know actually reading books? You know, podcasts. I'm I'm hot and cold on them. So, okay. so I go for a while and I'll listen to one. Um, um, so many of them are, are uh, I don't know, I would describe them as rambling. Just oh, turn, turn on a mic and listen to me talk for a while. And, and I like structure and I, I, like, I like preparation. And uh, uh, I'm, I, I, nothing excites me, quite frankly, more than hearing a, a fantastic speaker, even a comedian who has got their their stick they got it nailed it is not made up it, it doesn't feel made up it, it feels like they prepared for it and so when i when, when i when i sit through podcasts that just drives me crazy sometimes so there are a few that i'll go to back and forth once in a while but nothing that that just really says hey you know hank whatever or bill smith or whoever is my that's my source gotcha Let's talk for a second about the, the A in the RAMP acronym, Achievements and Goals. Now, I see there are people out there that talk about achieve, uh, goals like you've got to set smart goals and it's very rigid and very structured and time bound and all that. And then you've got the people that are kind of on the other side of the spectrum, like going way back in the day, one of my favorite examples, John Wooden, who used to coach UCLA basketball many, many years ago and won a bunch of championships. And he always talked to his players about 
don't worry about what anybody else is doing. All I want you to do is just get better yourself. And if we all just do that, we're all going to be fine. We'll meet all our goals. What are your thoughts on goal setting and how you approach that? Well, I think I think um, um, I'm a I'm a certified DISC trainer, so the personality assessment I think is so crucial. In fact, in 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 both of the programs that I offer, they, they one of the founding one of the foundational pieces is doing a DISC assessment. So it's important that we understand where we are. You know that whole "I'm okay, you're okay" thing. <laughs> There's no wrong answer to this, but having an appreciation for who we are and what our natural you know uh, inclinations and styles are what motivates us what drives us what drains us i say all that to say uh i don't have a one-size-fits-all to 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 goal setting i've got lots of tools and templates for for somebody who's an owl like me that they're going to love it for those that are a high driver or or whatever they may i don't have time for all this so at the end of the day that the the certain questions have to be answered what do you want? Now, how you write that down and whether it's in a plaque on the wall or in a three ring binder on a shelf with supporting tabs and spreadsheets, it doesn't matter. You got to answer the question. What do you want? Can you describe the end game? If you cannot, we've got to unpack that, right? Get it out of your head and onto a piece of paper. By the way, another great book is write it down, make it happen. Tremendous book. Can't remember the author off the top of my head. That's a fantastic book that that describes the power of putting it down. There you go. The uh, uh, what's the name? <laughs> Henriette Ann Clouser. There we go. Uh, describes the power of putting something on paper. So so what do you want? Write it down. Right now I ask the question. Well, when do you want it? There's no wrong answer. Just answer the question. When do you want that? Well, I want that here, there, then. Okay, now, now we have a goal and a timeline. The rest of it's bridge building. You know, the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. Well, we all know that life isn't a straight line, but the plan can be, what are the natural logical steps to accomplish what you said you want when you wanted it? Now, depending upon the person, if, 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 if they'll do it on the back of a napkin, Okay, let's at least put that into something a little more formal. Or if they want, they want lots of documentation, then that's what we'll do. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's it, goal setting has been made more complicated than it needs to be by those who are trying to sell something. They're trying to sell their system or their rigid, their thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't want to be that. Goal setting is about just taking the time. I always like to say it's not the plan. It's the planning. It's yeah. the thought process. The problem is that people have all this thought process and subroutines in the back of their head and they think they got goals, but they can't say them and nobody holds them accountable because nobody knows they got them. Then their way, they never fail. Right. Well, you know, mindset, back to the mindset conversation. Are you willing to to expose your weaknesses? Because if you're not, it's going to be a rough road. And the odds of you uh, accomplishing what you want to accomplish go down dramatically. So goal setting is powerful because it, it, it's it's a it's an objective view. I either did it or I didn't. Right. I wanted five, I got four. Failure. I wanted five, I got seven. 
How did that happen? What did I do? Maybe my goal was too low. So it's it's just the thought process and ri- actually writing it down and saying this is what I want when and and from, mm-hmm. from there it starts to go a little more tactical. But that's kind of my mindset around goal setting. So that's actually a good segue into the purpose and priorities because I, I know for me certainly the clearer I am about the purpose that I have for whatever the goal is. Uh, the more apt I am to stick to whatever that plan is. Um, what are some things that you could share with us about how you help people focus on their purpose, doing things on purpose, and making sure that they're keeping their priorities straight to move towards whatever those goals are that are attached to the purpose? Um, um, all of this builds on itself, right? So w- once once somebody has said, okay, I'm, I'm, uh, the walls are down, Let's go. Don't tell anybody. It's okay. It's just us, just family. I'm not telling anybody. Um, We'll go through the process of unpacking all this stuff and figure out some blocks and so forth. Um, And then determine, well, these are the things that need to be take need to be done by when. And guess what? That's your action plan. So then it's 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 pure. It's pure accountability. Are you doing it? You yeah. said by the first, it's now the twelfth. Did you make it? No. Why not? Well, I got distracted. By what? Well, by this shiny object. Why? Was shiny object on your list? No. <laughs> well, then what? Then what? See what I'm saying? So, right. so to some of it, it, this is where I'm not liked all the time, right? <laughs> this is where I come back and say, hey, you know, and, and people, people will tell me, they're like, you know, I almost canceled our meeting this morning because I didn't want to look you in the eye and tell you I hadn't done something like great. That's powerful. That's powerful. That's powerful. powerful. And then they'll say, but I kept the meeting anyway, because I know how important this is. So making people uncomfortable is part of the process. Um, So that's how I keep them focused because it's, it's so easy um, when I, I like to use the analogy of the, 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 the small business mind is like the top of a desk that's got piles of books they want to read and magazines they're behind on and ideas they haven't taken action on and people they need to talk to and groups they ought to send to and they, this article they meant to write and just constant, the marketing stuff that they'd love to try, but they can't decide on anything because there's no filter to put it through. Mm-hmm. Well, business coaching is about establishing filters so that you can only focus on the things that will get you where you want to go. Mm-hmm. So if if you lay asphalt and you tell me you now want to sell M&Ms, we're going to have a conversation about fit. Justify to me how that fits your strategy. And mm-hmm. if it doesn't and you fight to the death to fit it in, it's your business. But I'm going to ask the tough questions. That's how it's done. So this this now makes me curious that the relationship with you that you have with coaching clients it sounds like it can be challenging and you know when they don't want to go to that meeting because they don't want to face you because maybe they didn't do something they they committed to doing. How do you have such a strong rapport that even when they might be afraid to talk to you or they don't want to talk to you because they know it's going to be uncomfortable. They still do anyway. So there must be some something you've done to build that rapport and trust with those clients 
for them to allow themselves to be vulnerable and say, ah, Warren, I screwed up. I didn't, that thing we talked about, uh, yeah, I, I didn't get it done. Yeah. One of the things that I did, and this is about up for a contract, right? So when I'm talking to a client and, and talking about signing them up, I share with them a, a page that, that says this, this is what, this is my expectations. This is what you can expect from me. And this is, this is my obligations and this is your obligations, right? Uh, my, my list is longer than theirs. Their list is show up for meetings, lean into this process and pay your bill on time. My obligation is to hold them higher to higher standing the standard than they will. So they, they get weeded out at the beginning. Right. So the relationship, they're, they're hiring somebody to help them shave off rough edges or enhance their skill set. They know going into this that this is not going to be an easy task. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, if they somehow get through that process, then they're in for a bit of a rude awakening. Um, but the, the, it's, it, it's not so much rapport to me as in expectations because they're not okay. hiring a friend. Right. right. I'm not I'm not their drinking buddy. I don't go fishing with them. I mean, we can't we can do all that because I love I love the relationship side of my coaching. I love that. I love learning about their business and being considered part of their inner circle. That is a privilege to me. But I'm not going to let that stand in the way of, of holding them to a standard because that's what. That's what I want them to look back on and say. Man, it wasn't always tough, but you you pushed me. You mm -hmm. pushed me in the direction I needed to go, and you caused me to overcome some things that I knew I should have. And that's awesome. I, I just love that. So it sounds like you're, on the one hand, you're very flexible in terms of the tools and the framework and the specific strategies and tactics that you might use with a particular client. Right? You mentioned that you know the DISC assessment and everybody kind of approaches things differently. It sounds like you do a lot to accommodate that, but there are some things that are just deal breakers, like the growth mindset, the willingness to be coachable. How would you describe an ideal client of yours? Um, are, all, are they all strictly small business owners? Are they in particular industries that you found that you had a lot of clients that you've been effective with? Tell us a little bit about the type of people who are like an ideal client for you that would get tremendous benefit and where it would be a good fit. Yeah. So one of the things that I have done intentionally, I have intentionally to, to maybe to my own detriment. Sometimes I've intentionally not chosen a niche, an industry okay. niche. I do not want to be an industry expert because I think industry experts have blinders on and they don't know it. So when I go to a client, I'm sitting with a client and they're like, you know, I'm talking to this guy who uh, maybe I'm talking to a chiropractor and he says, I've got this, this chiropractor guy who consults and he's got his system and he sells me. I'm like, look, if, 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 if that's what you're looking for, great. I don't have any biases whatsoever about how you should, you should adjust spines. I don't care if you, I don't care what you do. It doesn't matter. Right. So, so I'm focused on the individual. Now, that being said, I've had a lot of clients from a lot of different things, pest control, computers, um, lawn care, you name it. It's all over the place. Handyman services, uh, uh, other consultants, uh, uh, HR recruiting. I mean, there's all kinds of things. So 
that being said, my, my filter is kind of wide, but it really narrows down at that initial conversation. Clearly, to some degree, they weed themselves out because they don't even pay attention, right? Everybody could use this kind of help. This many of them go for it. For those of you just listening, Warren's holding up his two fingers really close together. <laughs> Tiny little percentages of you know people yeah. that are that are that have the right mindset and they understand that that they need to get better. They want to be better business people because they've tried working seven days a week and that's not sustainable, mm -hmm. right? So I'll give you an example of a client that I worked with. He runs a, still does, he runs a uh, auto mechanic and auto repair body shop, towing, that kind of thing. It's all around automatic, mm -hmm. automotive. And when I met him, he had, he had uh, employees that were taking advantage of him because he felt like he couldn't fire them because he, he couldn't get any better. Uh, when he was on vacation, if he took one at all, he was in the hotel room and his wife was mad at him the whole time because he was on the phone and never really, he's always at work. 24 seven, 365, he's always at work. So we got started working together and we started going through this process. Uh, skip forward six, eight, 10 months, the next year, he took three vacations. One of them was on a yacht around the Greek Isles and, he, he, and his business kept going. He fired employees, he hired better ones and his business could run without him being there. And he was like, I, I, did, I, did, not, I did not know this was possible. Well, I didn't do it. I just, I just got him to take the blinders off and, and you know, stop, stop. You got, you got, uh, who was it? Stinking thinking. What's his name? Stinking thinking. You got thinking yeah. that's holding you back and, and you need somebody to tell you that this is, this doesn't have to be the same. You can, you can get a different result. Yeah. You, you need a checkup from the neck. The up. neck up. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. I think, I think I know the client you're talking about because I was a customer um, of his and he, he talked to me, you introduced us actually, because yeah. I, I needed his services. And because you introduced me, you know, he knew that we knew each other and he actually was telling me about some of the things that you were just talking about. Um, and it was interesting. I think that sounds like a great example of some common problems that coaches can help with, which is like when you have someone that's good at the technical aspect of their profession, but and then they decide to open their own business. So mechanic is an example I use a lot. Guy turns a wrench for 20 years working for somebody else and says, hey, I'm a great mechanic and lots of people know me. I should just open my, up my own shop. And then it either fails or doesn't do as well as it could because he doesn't understand how to get customers, how to keep customers happy, processes, hiring, all that stuff. It sounds like that's all of those things are things that you've been able to help clients with. Um, all of those it, processes. It, it, it fits into the area of, I don't, they don't know what they don't know. Yeah, the blind spots. Right, they know what they know. He's a mechanic. I, I, I don't, I get in a car, I turn the key. If it doesn't start, I get a new car. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know anything about that stuff. Right. I, I, I just, I, that's not my area of expertise. If you're looking for me to help you turn riches, a wrong guy. Then, then they know what they don't know. They know they're not good at certain things, and that's where I, that's where I win. That's where I get hired. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. But all, all along the way, over and over, they're like, I had no idea. I didn't know I needed to know this stuff. I didn't know what I didn't know, right? Yeah. That's the change that I'm looking for, right? Because that's what causes them to keep keep working. Because we're never you're never done from 101 problems to 201 problems to 301 problems. It it you're never finished, and so uh, that's the exciting part about it is when I see a client make that transition, the light bulb comes on, uh, mm -hmm. and and they start to truly value all of this newfound knowledge and suddenly they're not living in tactics land. They're thinking like a CEO. Yep. They're looking at their numbers in ways other than do I have money in the bank so, so I can go on vacation tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. The what number of businesses that live there, <laughs> management by checkbook balance. That's their strategy. Yeah. It's a lot of small businesses. A lot of them, a lot of them. So, Let's shift gears for a second, because I, I don't know why, but as you were talking, I was thinking about the fact that um, you live in Kannapolis, right? Yep. So uh, um, all three of us are in the, generally in the Charlotte metro region. Um, but I, I, br I bring that up because I know there's a, a minor league baseball team there, right? Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of development going on in that whole area of the county that you live in. I'm curious, have you seen any changes in like the number of business owners or the type of business owners that are being attracted by all the growth that's going on? And if that's affected how you approach, how, how you talk to business owners, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Well, well, to some degree, I mean, I mean, Kannapolis is seeing a resurgence, you know, they built a new ballpark and they research downtown. There's a brand new apartment building that's that's taking orders right now for 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 apartments to open up in, in downtown Annapolis, which is there's a big crazy. research facility there as well, right? Yes, right. yes, yeah. it's where the North Carolina Research Facility is, which you know that's a billion dollar campus as it as it was, but the mm -hmm. the, the the downtown was just withering on the vine. So now they're seeing from from you know being thrilled when a when a when a barber shop would open. Now they got developers and businesses fighting each other, trying to outbid on space. It's a tremendous turnaround. So that that being said, there are lots of opportunities there um, that that I try to tap into. So, you know, from networking and being plugged into uh, I know members on the city council. I know the mayor. Uh, I know the, the assistants, I know the city managers, we're in Rotary together. So I'm trying to stay plugged in because there are opportunities for small businesses that are going to come to town. Um, and they don't know Kannapolis. They don't, they don't know anything about, they just know this is a hot spot they want to be at. So it does present some opportunities locally. Concord, which is just south of us in Cabarrus County, is, is about to undergo some of this some similar things, apartments going in, new new landscaping, streetscaping and all that stuff. Lots of things happening in Cabarrus County, one of the hottest areas in the state. So it definitely is drawing businesses from all over. Uh, and Charlotte is jammed. Yeah. So the I-85 corridor coming right up through our middle makes this one just an easy bedroom community. So uh, lower taxes, all that sort of thing. So it, it, it definitely does present some opportunity for me uh, if I can be in the right place at the right time. Right. So shifting gears again, 
it sounds like we've, we've talked a lot about, about your work. What is something that if somebody met you through business or through networking and all they experienced was you as a business coach, what is something about you that they might not know that would be interesting to share with our audience? Maybe something that you do in your free time. I know you and I have gone to a baseball game together, um, but things that you do, because, you know, we talked about mindset and we haven't really talked much about balance, but to me, balance is really just about at least doing some of those things that allow you to sort of unplug and recharge your batteries. Yes. Yeah. What kind of things do you do to recharge your batteries? So a um, couple of things. Um, you mentioned baseball. Of course, it's 20 was a terrible year. Uh, they opened that brand new park and they haven't played a ball game in it yet. <laughs> So we're still waiting. So we're hoping for the next season we'll, we'll open. But uh, going to ball games, I really love baseball. Uh, enjoy sitting in the stands and eating a hot dog and just just enjoying the whole experience. I love that. Um, my wife and I uh, visit local wineries. We enjoy going for tastings and talking to the winery owners and hearing their stories and and learning how they make what they make and why it's important and their history and all that stuff. I love doing that. Um, and until COVID hit, um, and I'm I'm still a member, but we haven't we haven't gathered in a while. I'm a member of the uh, what's the name of it? It's a it's a community uh, uh, band. It's a it's a it's a concert band that meets. I play trumpet, and so oh, okay. uh, we do we would do three or four concerts a year. It's just a volunteer, you know, people of all ages that uh, you know have a have some talent that they had left over from from school and college, and they still like to play. <laughs> We get together and practice once a week and do, put on performances, and, and I love doing that. So that's those cool. are some things that, that you know, kind of fills the bucket that's, non, that's non-professional. Cool. Yeah, we'll have to get out to a baseball game when things get a little bit back oh, absolutely. to normal. That, that park is amazing. Can't wait. Um, just looking at the clock here, I want to turn it over to Steve to make sure that uh, – we allow some opportunity for him to ask some questions because, as you know, Warren, you and I could talk for, for hours as we've done on many occasions. And we have, yes. Yeah, but I want to respect your time and, and everyone else's here. So, Steve, what do you got? What do you got for Warren? Absolutely. And again, Warren, thank you for being here. We really appreciate it because you have some great insights for helping small business owners. And so I'm going to follow up with you on a, a couple little points. If we have small business owners listening to us today, I wanted to Kind of pick your brain for some of your thoughts on uh, on helping them. If you can give them some a few little tips. So if I've got a small business owner that's listening today, and they are living in that world of living in that world of checkbook, living by uh, if there's money in their checkbook, they can go on vacation. What would you say is kind of that first step for that business owner? What do they need to do right now to get out of that mode of being uh, just living through their checkbook? What would you suggest to them? I think the first step is recognizing that um, they need to get out of that mode. There, there is a better way, right? Um, if they're fortunate and they happen to be in a in a, a high margin business that has, they just have the stars aligned and, and and they're flush all the time. I mean, you see, we've seen it. They're successful in spite of themselves, and that's awesome. Um, then this won't resonate. But for the rest of us. <laughs> who do watch metrics and we watch our numbers, I think just recognizing that education is important. They don't need to be a CPA. This is not about 
living and breathing spreadsheets all the time. This is, this is about understanding how your business is truly performing. If you only have one metric, it's the old saying of if, if, if the only tool you have is a hammer, every problem's a nail. Well, no business is that simple. And you're missing out on great opportunities to run your business in ways that will be even more profitable and more productive and a higher return than what you're doing. So it's not that what you're doing is wrong. I don't, I don't go in to say, look at all the stuff you, you screwed up. No, this is about where we want to be going forward, where we're going next. Now let's, let's, let's shift some of our, our, our strategies and the way we're approaching things and let's bring on some additional help where we need it so that we can increase our odds of truly being successful. So I think help, helping uh, getting a small business to understand that there's value in, in looking at things in another way. Um, that's, that's, that's the starting point. That is great. I really like that. You know, I'm, I'm reading a book now called Traction by Gino Wickman. And that is a yeah. book that also incorporates that piece of know your numbers, but, but he just talks about, I think three to five really specific numbers that you can track and have a, you know, some kind of a dashboard, if you will, so that you know where you are in those three to five critical items instead of just your one checkbook. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I do a, I do a talk on metrics and, and I use the analogy of the car dashboard of any vehicle, right? You think about the, there's a thousand things going on every time you're driving, but you, you don't, you don't, you don't see a, your, your dash does not look like the cockpit of a 747. And that's for a reason, because you don't need to know all of that. Well, what do you need to know about your business? What are the three to five that, and they may change, but deciding which ones to pay attention forces some great conversations and it stretches people and, they, and it, it's just so fun to see to see the result of those kinds of conversations when it takes place yeah yeah very good the other question i had was kind of we are in the middle hopefully toward the end of our uh, coronavirus issues and for certainly probably in the middle but uh, i don't know where we are in the middle what advice would you have for those small business owners that are really struggling through coronavirus, things change around. We've got, I think, something like 10% of the population have the, have already gotten the shot for the virus. Mm -hmm. But uh, at some point in time, they, they're going to change around. What can a small business owner do now to kind of prepare for that post-coronavirus time? Well, don't, don't hunker down and hope, right? Hope is not a strategy. Um, the opportunity to reevaluate your full business, right? Um, what got you to where you were before COVID may not, may not be relevant anymore. And how do you know? Because there are gonna be impacts for generations of the way we interact, the way we do business, the way we transact, businesses that have dropped off the face of the earth and will not be returning. We're purchasing differently, we're connecting differently. I have to sit back and say, what has to change in my business? What is my market doing now? I have, I can't assume that what I threw out two years ago is a bad idea. Put it back on the table and look at it again. 
now through the eyes of the, the world's different. So start there. You, you, you have to find some time to look at the big picture around your business. How does it need to change? Someone once said, I think it was Jack Welch, it said, if the pace of change inside the company is slower than outside the company, it's over, right? And, and, and what, what, in the, what in our lifetimes, what peer in our lifetimes has the world changed faster than the last 18 months? So you got, you got to be prepared to say, okay, clear the whiteboard, let's, let's start from scratch and, and, and truly look at how do I win because what got me here won't get me there. Yep, I think that's that's fantastic advice. And I and I think, you know, just to tag on that just a, a bit, it's that piece that we always as small business owners always have to be asking the question, you know, why do I do it this way and how can I do it better? Instead of waiting for some external thing to make us make a shift. Right. Uh, right. But like you talked about, it's gonna it's gonna change forever potentially. Let's take advantage of it as opposed to hoping that it goes back to the way it was nine months ago, 10 yeah, months whole, ago. Whole, whole new industries. There's a whole new industry in somebody's garage right now that's going to disrupt what we do. I don't want to be the buggy whip guy when tires came out, <laughs> when cars came out, right? I don't want to be that. So, yep. Very good. Well, I'll shift that back to John. Thanks, Warren. Thank you. Well, Warren, we're about wrapped up here. And I just want to ask you if you have uh, a quote that you maybe have, uh, maybe a favorite quote or one that you think might be particularly relevant. I know you and I have talked about a lot of books and authors and self-development experts. Is yeah. there any one that, that you particularly like that would be something good to wrap up with or just a final thought? One, one thing that does come to mind, uh, and this is actually a quote from a client, and, and it's, it's probably somebody you know, but um, she said, uh, don't let fear have decision-making authority. Oh, I like that. Isn't that powerful? So, so the yeah, whole yeah. idea around, um, again, back to we're usually the ones that are in the way, and fear, yeah. fear is what holds us back. And so... If we can operate in the presence of fear, not not get rid of it, it's going to be there. But it does it doesn't need to 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 win, you know. So, I think it's a great way to wrap up, especially in the environment that we're in now. So, Warren, I want to thank you for being with us today. I want to thank you for sharing so much information, ideas, resources. We'll make some notes in the show notes for some of the books and other things that you mentioned, so that those resources are easy to get to. And for all you guys in the audience, we'll see you next time.